You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help people of faith find more joy in their relationships. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 49 where today we consider the importance of sacrifice in our relationships. In episode 48 last week, I made the case that chapter 12 in the book of Romans is, to my way of thinking, the most relational chapter in the whole Bible. There is much we can learn about relationships in the 21 verses of this passage. It all starts with the first verse in Romans 12, where the Apostle Paul says the following, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. This verse is all about our relationship with God, and this relationship is the basis for all other relationships mentioned in the rest of the chapter. It raises the question, though, of what does it mean to, quote, offer your body as a living sacrifice, unquote. It really is an important question that deserves our consideration. So that's what we're going to do in today's episode. So stay tuned. Speaking of stay tuned, there's an old salesman's adage that goes like this. Everyone is tuned into radio station WII. FM. WIIFM is an acronym for What's in it for me? Part of the human condition is wanting to know how an action we take is going to benefit us. We always want to know what's in it for me. Before we can answer this question as it relates to offering our bodies as living sacrifices, we need to define a few terms. The first is bodies. Bodies refers to not just our physical structure of bones and skin and organs. It refers to all of our personhood. It refers to everything that makes us a human being, the physical part of us, as well as the emotional, relational, and spiritual components of our makeup. It includes our behaviors, our feelings, our decisions, our hopes and dreams, our regrets, our preferences. It's all of this and more. It's everything there is that's about us. The second term to consider is living sacrifice. Now, the Roman audience who received Paul's letters would have been familiar with dead sacrifices. You know the drill. Get a goat or a sheep or other animal slit its throat, then kill and drain its blood over an altar. Once done, the animal could no longer be offered as a sacrifice because the life of the animal was drained out of it. One and done. But a living sacrifice is another matter. A living sacrifice can be made over and over again. It's a metaphor for repeatedly offering oneself to God. It's saying to God, I'm yours, 
do with me what you will. Taken in the context of the rest of chapter 12 of Romans, Paul's urging to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice is directed towards our relationship with people. Let me read this passage to you and see if you hear what I hear. Namely, that the overall tone is one of God calling us to live in sacrificial relationship with others. So I'll start from the beginning again. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. I need to stop here for a second. The verse, uh, verses I just read call for us to live in a way that's not our natural inclination. We want to conform to the pattern of this world. We want to think of ourselves highly. It is a sacrifice to do the opposite. But that's what God is telling us to do. Now moving on into the text, starting with verse 4. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everybody. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, 
If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of the Lord. To live sacrificially in our relationships is to give of ourself to people. It's to relinquish our desires and rights that we have, all for the sake of the well-being of another. To sacrifice ourself in a relationship is to defer to another for their benefit. It is to willingly let part of our life be drained out from us, like the blood from an Old Testament sacrifice, and then transfused into the life of another so they can experience the life God intended for them. It is to live counterintuitively with people, and to do so as a sacrifice which pleases God, and which in turn is a spiritual act of worship. Let me give you a real-life example of this in action. It's a story about my sister Judy, a sister I didn't know I had up until a few years ago when I went through the process of tracking down my birth father. I wrote about it in my book, Them. And I want to just read to you uh, just a few paragraphs from the book. It, it starts with the, the time that Janet and I went down to see Judy uh, for the first time. And uh, I'll, I'll just read uh, a few paragraphs here. I spent a few hours asking Judy questions to fill in the blanks about my past, uh, the holes in my research about who was related to whom and, and information about each of our siblings and Jack Bird's ex-wives. Jack Bird was my birth father. I also asked lots of questions about, about her father, about Jack Bird. She told me that during World War II, he had been in the Army and served as a railroad worker uh, in Italy. Judy had only lived with him the first year of her life. Then she was sent to live with his parents because her father and mother didn't have the means to raise a child. This was quite painful for her to talk about. I learned how Jack Bird had abandoned her, too and how she pursued him many times only to be ignored or stood up when she arranged for meetings in local restaurants. She described the time uh, she and Jim, that was her boyfriend, would visit him in Florida and how cruel and abusive he would be to waitresses in restaurants. It was all so painful for her to recall and share with me. It moved me to hear her share the wounds in her heart over her upbringing and then her marriage, which ended in divorce. Her pain connected us. She had emotional holes in her heart like I did. She showed me family pictures of our father, Jack Edward Bird, and his relatives. One stood out in particular. It was taken several years after the war before he met my mother. It was of him walking down a street in New York City holding a cigarette in one hand, dressed in a sport coat and open-collared shirt, looking a bit like a young Dean Martin. Maybe he had picked up that cocky, carefree look during his time in Italy. I pictured him with my mother, charming her, preying on her rural Minnesota farm personality. Months passed after we had left, and one day I got an email from Judy 
saying she was going to arrange a family reunion at her home some, sa- some Sunday afternoon in the fall. I do hope you and Janet can come, she said. We are flying Dad up, and Jim and I are going to drive down to the Indianapolis airport to pick him up the Saturday before. He doesn't know anything about this, and I'm not going to tell him until he gets off the plane. If I told him now, he probably wouldn't come. So that's why I'm going to spring it on him once he's off the plane. There's a distinct possibility, though, he might turn around and fly right back home to Florida. I'm willing to take that risk, though. Judy continued, I've already talked to my other brothers and sisters, and all except one plan to come. Some of them have not seen or talked to Dad in over 30 years. I sure hope you can come. That call from Judy set the stage for the most awkward afternoon I have ever spent in my life. Well, if you want to read more about that awkward afternoon, you'd have to get my book, and they're available in rummage sales all over the place right now. Anyway, the thing I like about this story, uh, uh, the story about Judy, is the relational sacrifice that she made to bring everyone together. The neglect and literal abandonment of her father, our father, did not stop her from attempting to create some relational goodness in such a crazy, disjointed family. She ran the risk of being rejected again, of exposing herself to more unkindness and abuse from her father. But she took the plunge and did far more than anyone would ever expect. You know, parents should be the initiator with their children when there is disconnection. That's a parent's job, not, not the child's role. But Judy sacrificed all that in an attempt to bring about a measure of healing. I'm really proud of her and what she did. What a, what a great model of sacrifice she was for me. It's really inspiring to me, and I hope, hope to you as well. Well, here, here's what I've learned uh, today. Here's what struck me about, about all of this. It really is a sacrifice to relate well with others. It takes something from us. It's about resisting our natural inclination to put our needs above the needs of others. It's not easy, and we need God's power in our life to do this. Yet when we do it with God's help, it pleases God, and it becomes a high form of worship to Him. You know, a relationship without sacrifice isn't really a relationship at all. I've also been struck with the idea that God loves other people far more than we do. And when we sacrifice ourselves to love and relate well with and care for others, we jump on the bandwagon God is driving down the street and how that must please him. Well, if you forget everything else, Here is the one thought, the one idea I hope you remember from today's episode, and it's this. To enrich our relationships, look for ways to sacrifice for the other person, which in turn will please God and be a spiritual act of worship to him. Here's a way you can respond to today's show. Think about the people who have sacrificed for you 
where they have given up something to help you be the person you are today. And then thank God for bringing these people into your life. And then, if you're brave enough, write them a note thanking them for their sacrifice on your behalf. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act so that you will find the joy God intends for you through your relationships. Because after all, you were made for this. And now to close our episode for today, here's our relationship quote of the week. And it comes from an author who is unknown, but I love this quote. Here it is. We all drink from wells we haven't dug. Think about that for a minute. We all drink from wells we haven't dug. Well, that's all for today. See you next week. Goodbye for now.